Welcome to The Ledge. My name is Chris Harper, and I'll be your host every week. Every Tuesday, I will interview an artist, developer, or creative mind from the Web3 space. I'll be getting up close and personal with my guests as we explore the emerging crypto art and NFT scene. It is my feeling, along with many others, that we are in a digital renaissance. The emergence of blockchain technology has revolutionized the way we look at ownership, provenance, and digital assets. It is my goal as your host to help shed light on these complex subjects and even more so the individuals behind it all who are carving out their place in history here on the ledge of Web3. My name is Chris Harper. I'm the host of the Ledge podcast. Every week I interview a new crypto artist. This week I'm super excited to tell you guys that I'm interviewing the OG crypto artist, Coldy. Coldy, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for coming on. What's up, Chris? How you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm good, man. I just, everybody started the same way. Can you tell me your name, your age, where you're from, and where do you live? Yeah, uh, my name is Coldy. Um, I just crossed over into the land of the 40s, and um, I live in Northern California. Is that where you're from? Are you from Northern California? You know, I'm kind of kind of sprinkled all around California. I was born in the, in Southern California and then kind of came up, did schooling uh, up in NorCal, moved back down for college. I've been ping-ponging back and forth, but... Um, this is definitely what I would call home. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was your like early childhood like? Where did you go to like public school, private school in California? Uh, yeah, my parents uh, raised me Catholic, so uh, we I went through the Catholic uh, schooling system. Right. Um, and then from there, I went to uh, public high school, and uh, at that high school, they had an amazing uh, graphic design video class that changed my life. And then from there, I went to uh, Cal Poly Pomona, back down south uh, in, in L.A., and um, got my fine art degree. And then I worked down there at uh, L.A. Weekly doing uh, covers uh, for like 100,000 people a week at a, at a college, which was pretty uh, jumping into the fire. And then um, got sick of L.A. and moved back to NorCal. Nice. How you like living in California, man? How's it been through the pandemic and stuff? Um, you know, I mean, we were stuck in, stuck inside a lot and everyone's running around with masks. Um, so it was like, you know, not really like, you know, the, the social situations obviously died. Um, yeah. but I guess at least it's nice where I live so we could like go for walks and I think, you know, at least there was some nature around. Yeah. What are your, what are your parents, man? Your parents live in California or? Yeah. Them? Everyone's kind of sprinkled around. Um, I have some family down South. Uh, some up towards this way and um yeah we were you know we're we're all in contact and close we all love each other you mentioned that yeah you went to you went to school for art when when did you decide in your life that you were going to be an artist that's funny i i i think it was after my um in high school in, in the graphic design class um it kind of snapped in my head that you know, you're 18, you have to figure out what you're going to do with your life, which is just way too early to figure that shit out anyways. But um, yeah. I didn't know anything else I was going to do. And I had this like passion for making like magazine layouts. So, um, you know, that was just kind of it. I just planted that seed and and uh, just went to art school. But I, I, but I don't draw. Like I didn't, like growing up, my parents, they're kind of like 
not baffled because I was always kind of techie. Uh-huh. They're like they didn't see art coming, you know, early on. And I remember actually kind of funny story in um, back to grade school in eighth grade. Uh, they give out little like pins, like the the best math student or the best yeah. science student, right? And I got the best boys art award. And I and I went up there and I grabbed my pin from the teacher and I said, "Is this a joke?" And he's like, "Just stand over there." <laughs> he knows I'm a smart ass. He's like, "Just shut up and go." Over there. But like, yeah, that's cool, yeah. man. I, I I like to ask everybody this question, man. Do you remember like the first thing in your life that you created that you would ever that you could call art? You remember like back as young as you can. You know that that's um, it's funny. Well, not funny. It's sad. My my grandmother passed away a couple months ago, oh, and um, yeah, thanks. Um, but we were going through her stuff, right? And it was she was the last grandparent, so she had some of my grandpa's stuff. It was like this little treasure trove. Uh-huh. And I was going through it, and I remembered, and I had a picture of when I was like three years old. They had like one of those original Macintosh. Um, not the IMAX, but the old like Macintosh cube. And they had one of those. And I remember going to their house, he would fire that thing up and I would go on the paint program uh-huh. and I would like hit the, hit the um, paint bucket to fill it with a, uh, um, a, a brick wall. And then I would literally like as a three-year-old or something, just like graffiti on it. I was like, I had to have the, I had to have the brick wall and then I could draw. Right. So I was doing that. And when grandma passed away, I was looking through these random papers and I found this printout of like an early little doodle I had made. And like, it sucked, yeah, of course. But like, I knew that was like my first Genesis, like digital art. I was like, holy crap. Right. So um, I'm, I'm pretty like, uh, f- I just love this weird little doodle I have. And that's kind of, I guess, where it started. Dude, you gotta like put that in a vault, man. You're, you're freaking coldy, man. Like I wish I could have signed my name or something. You gotta, I guess we'll have to age it <laughs> or mint it. <laughs> no, I know. It's, Dude, that would be sick, man. That would be pretty sick. No, I actually, there's a little bit of a, a little plague that I think might happen with all that. So, yeah. Uh, right but on. that was pretty fun to find. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. Do you, uh, what did your parents do for a living? Um, they were both in healthcare. Uh, my mom, uh, was an x-ray tech. Right. Um, and it's actually kind of cool. Like for her, she's very creative. She's a photographer and, you know, we all have to find ways to pay the bills. She, she found this little loophole where she could take pictures of the body all day. Right. right? right. So just kind of magical. Right. So she did x-rays. And then my dad, he worked in this place where they put balloons up the heart and uh-huh. open up arteries. Uh-huh. So um, they were both kind of just medical people. Who's who's got the artistic side in the family? Did you, did anybody in your in your family have artistic background at all? Um, we didn't have anybody who was like a quote unquote like commercial or like professional artist. I would say my my grandpa was really big into video taping, and he always had the computer. He was kind of like a techie techie right guy on. early yeah. on. Yeah, uh, he worked in aerospace, so he was always kind of like into new tech. So I think that's kind of where the seed got planted with a lot of this. And then my mom uh, is a great photographer and, you know, kind of like as a kid, I would see her taking photos like on vacation of trees and and leaves. And like, 
I, I, I kind of understood the beauty of photography and art through her. Uh, but then my dad, he wouldn't ever claim he's an artist, but he has very like wild, vivid, like ideas. He'll just like throw out there. Right. So like, it's just a little bit of each. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. You mentioned earlier that you, uh, you were into like doing magazine layouts. Was that something that you were doing in high school? Yeah. So in high school, I was, I was a basket, I was on the basketball team and you're a tall guy, I, right? Yeah, I'm like six three. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, um, you know, I was in this graphic design class, and one of the the jobs of the class mm-hmm. was to produce the the program uh, before each home game. So you know, we'd have a roster, we'd have a little maybe feature article. Yeah, you know, just a little something for people to read while sure. they're at the game. Yeah, and uh, that was my class assignment, kind of ongoingly. So it was pretty funny. Like I would be printing, stapling. Doing all the, I did the design, the production, right. uh, basically sales, you know. So I would like get all the stuff in there, and I would sometimes it would be like something would change, or I'd have to work it last minute. And like my teacher, who was also the assistant coach for the basketball team, school, school, he's yeah. like, Coldy, and I was Coldy always. They're like, you like warm ups are happening, like you got to go. <laughs> so I was, I was, it was kind of hustling at the very beginning too with, with page layout. And I loved it. And from the, um, actually my teacher made a wonderful comment early on. He said, you're the type of guy that needs to just be put in a little box and allowed to create. And like, nothing can bother you. You just need to go focus. And then what you come back with is just wild. Right. And that, and that was cool because it gave me a lot of courage to, to do weird stuff. Or, you know, just yeah. go. For and sure. he was kind of the facilitator that said, that's what you do, you yeah. know. Yeah. And it, it was true. You know, uh, Coach Wolf was a hell of a guy. I actually just talked to him a couple of days ago. Um, so, like, I, so I was doing that. And then that page layout experience helped me when I went to um, art school. Um, so I would be in intro to graphic design doing page layouts and I was no like Picasso, but like the teachers were like, wow, you actually know how to put a layout together. It's like, yeah. So all these stepping stones helped me sure. get that LA Weekly job. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that LA Weekly job was like, like an, like an amazing job. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was, it was funny because like those jobs don't pay anything, right? You're literally working at a newspaper. But um, I didn't have any like real overhead except for like beer money. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was paying the bills. Right on. But, um, it was the type of job that um, got me into the like the 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 inner like culture of Los Angeles, right? Yeah. So I was I got to go to some crazy stuff. Like I got to see the Banksy show before it was announced because my boss knew Banksy. She's like, "Hey, oh, wow. go here to this address." I'm like, "What's there?" She's like, "It's a Banksy show. Shut up and go." Right? So I was getting paid through experiences, and that was everything to me. Yeah, for sure. The experience of that, I'm sure it's just like, you know, invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. What guy, were you an early crypto guy? Um, not, not super early. I, I mean, I found out about, I mean, I heard about it like in 2010 or 2012, just went over my head. Um, yeah. But then like in 2017, um, I was like listening to podcasts about just like money, 
Yeah. And, um, you know, just different, um, like what is fiat, some of these types of things. And someone came on and was talking about crypto and I, I just, it, it made sense to me cause I always was a kind of a techie guy making websites in high school, being a nerd. And I put two and two together. I was like, wow, sure. this is like a big deal. <laughs> yeah. What, your, your, your name's pretty synonymous with like OG, like NFT creators, you like Hackatow, X copy. I mean, you're like one of the early guys. So that's why I was asking like, yeah. What, what, yeah. What, what, how do you, how do you feel you got into like that OG status, you know, like what put you there? Well, I mean, and, and I always like to say that, you know, I, to give full props, there were people, um, you know, the first Raya Myers and Nilly Lerner in 2014 were, did the first NFTs, right? So I just like to say right. that like, yeah, there was a path paved right? sure, that sure. that allowed me, even though it was, it was a, a not a paved road, it, there was a road, right? So I, I was able to see the successes of early people and I like Pepe's were around uh, crypto kitties and punks. That was kind of the landscape and, and Dada NYC. Right. So when I came in, there was something. So it gave me confidence that like, yeah, it's like, it's easy to try, you know? So, you know, I found a platform called rare art labs in 2000 in 2018. And it's crazy. All the OG like that we would, I would call Ethereum OGs, right? right? If we are going to quantify that we were all on there, but we didn't talk or like know each other because nothing was happening. No one was selling. No one was, getting any type of acclaim or, you know, or any type of notice at all. Right. But X copy hack a towel, miss Al, um, Brad D'Amico, Max Osiris, all Osanachi. Like there's so many people, but like the OGs were there. Right. So I think um, we were all in our own little lane Mm -hmm. and able to, you know, there wasn't like quote unquote competition, um, everyone had their own style. So it was easy for us all to just kind of mint and, and not like put too much pressure on ourselves. You definitely have a style that stands out from other, other artists. Will you describe what that is? Yeah. I mean, at, at, the, at the basis of it, I'm a mixed media collage artist. I, I focus on stereoscopic art, which means, um, there's different ways to look at it, but oftentimes it'll be with uh, like red and blue 3d glasses um, or a lenticular, which is like a printed version that has a special lens on top of it that pushes the image out at you. Um, And now I'm getting into mixed reality with uh, AR and VR. So I guess all of my art kind of has the same thread of uh, the depth perception Mm -hmm. um, and like kind of fooling the eye. I remember going to LA. I live in South Carolina with my girlfriend in 19, like in early 1990s, like maybe 91 and going down Hollywood Boulevard and into a, a gallery that had those lenticulars for sale. It was the first time I'd ever seen that. It looked like holographic art. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, yeah. there's nothing I love more than lenticular. Hologram. Every time I see your stuff, it reminds me of that, you know, like when I saw that and how like, kind of blown away I was but like this is so cool you know the art's coming out of the wall <laughs> like, that's cool yeah yeah it's it's a niche world um but I actually love it's becoming a little bit more common um I've been going to 
more like art art fairs and just different events with lots of different art. And it's cool to see. Um, I'm by no means like a pioneer of that, but it's becoming more prevalent in, in galleries, which I think is great because, you know, we need to bring, it's like kind of a bridge to sure. digital art, but still being physical. Right. Well, so that's kind of what I like about it. Yeah. I'm preparing for this. I listened to a couple other podcasts that you've done and I, I got that you were kind of a stereoscopic nerd, right? Like you go, <laughs> like you've studied this like art form, like pretty deeply back to its roots. How did yeah. you get into yeah. it, man? Like what, what, what got you into stereoscopic? Oh art? man. Um, so there was one fateful night where there was a stereoscopic art show in Burbank in Southern California. Mm hmm. And I don't even honestly know how I found out about it. It was like the synchronistic universe lined up. <laughs> and, and I remember I brought my girlfriend at the time and my best friend, Logan, and Logan was fucking hammered. He was so drunk and we didn't know what we were getting into. Okay. So we walk into this gallery right when it was like presentation quiet time and Logan's hammered. And I was like, oh my God, this is not good. Um, so <laughs> I, I got to walk around the, I like they were doing the slideshow and the guy who's, who is like producing, curating the show, his name was Ray zone uh -huh. and Ray, um, rest in peace was known as the king of 3d comics. He'd uh -huh. produced over, I think, God, 150 3d comics, a lot of comics. Right on. Wow. And he was showing on a projector screen, stereoscopic basically illustration in in 3d so like imagine a clip art of like a a skateboarder and like they're holding their hand out like very kind of basic rudimentary yeah like kind of clip art kind of things but in stereo and i saw that and i was like that's it that's all like that's what i want to do with my whole life like i <laughs> how and when can i make that right now right so i got it and um that was the night Right. And, and from there they had a 3d club in Southern California that is legendary. And we would go, it was, it was in a church basement and we would, they had a projector screen. It was all very like, it's kind of like the most nerdy retro real way to look at stereo photos. Right. And we would, and I would learn from these masters, the average age was probably fifties or sixties. It was an older person's niche. And I walked in there. I was like 22 or 23 at the time. And it was, it was pretty awesome. Like, cause they, they all kind of like looked at me like, wow, are you lost? Or like, what, like what's had you stumble into our like weird little nichey thing. So they, and they loved me. Cause I was just an open book. I was like, dude, I just want to learn like oh, whatever cool. you got, like, here's what I'm into, yeah. you know? So they would just teach me like Ray taught me his, his secrets of doing the 3d graphics. Like I'm learned, I learned from the masters. Right. And, yeah. and, and they saved me decades of fiddling and trying to figure these things out because they had the best process. They figured it out on their own 30 years. Right. So I got pretty heavy into that. And through that, I be, I got into um, stereo photography and that is actually I would say like in terms of being an artist and making a series was my first like Genesis, like concept series. How does, how do you create something in stereo photography? How does that work? Um, 
people. That yeah, are- I mean, like, so basically, to do it right, mm-hmm. um, you got to have two different cameras okay. that are mounted precisely horizontally from each other, mm-hmm. and the lens spacing matters. How far you're shooting, it's a lot of math, and it's like math and art together. So it's very technical to, to rig the camera together. You got to hack the firmware. There's a bunch of different kind of like barriers that I think have, have kept a lot of people from doing it. Um, but, you know, I figured it out and got my cameras rigged together. And um, it kind of dovetailed my love for music and, and live concerts. I was going in L.A. I spent all my L.A. Weekly money on concerts like literally like every ounce of money i had was a ticket stub and (laughs) but every ticket stub was was a quantum memory so i was like i had friends that were like wow dude you're like spending all your money on concerts i was like yeah dude like have you been to the concerts i've been to like (laughs) i think you're missing the whole point here like yeah absolutely you should be too like go go see some music right and the one thing I was realizing was I would wait in line often. If it was a general admission show, I'd wait in line for sometimes eight hours if it was a big show because I knew the game. The first person in line is front row center. So <laughs> if I'm not doing anything, why not wait in line? <laughs> you know? right and, it, and, it, and it worked out time after time. I got to see the epic show front center. So Nice. As I'm sitting there and enjoying the show on the rail, I, I'm seeing this group of photographers come in. And I was like, you know, in front of the barrier to shoot the band. And I was like, wow, this is like a new challenge. I'm like, how do I get over this barrier figuratively and, and actually yeah. and, and photograph these bands? Because I love these bands. And, I'm, and, and while I'm up there, I'm framing photos because I, I'm just like... Uh, OCD enough to want to like, you know, just like just mentally snap, like, Oh, he's jumping, snap it right now. I would do that all the fucking time. Free so, phone, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Yeah. Cell phones. And it was crap. I, it was, I, I took photos sometimes, but I'd look at what I got. I'm like, what's the point? Right. Um, so I was mentally photographing and what I, what I did was I figured out that given my skills in publishing and layout and my photography that I just created my own magazine and use that to get um, access to bands, like to publish in the magazine. What was it called? Uh, it was called Stereo Man. Nice. Yeah. And it was with uh, one of my buddies, uh, Roger May, uh, rest in peace. Um, we collaborated. He's a... He, he is a fantastic 3D photographer and possibly better than Ray at 3D Comics. Um, he another another mentor, right? Um, we started the magazine together, and uh, you know it was mostly a digital magazine. We have a, a zine that's ultra rare that I think I have like five more copies of. It's like it's about that. We're gonna get a copy of this, man. Oh yeah, those are like <laughs> those those are gone. Uh, even for me, I'm like, oh my God, I only have this many more for the rest of my life. It's kind of scary. Wow. Um, but um, it became a digital magazine. Um, and through that, I was able to get uh, photo 
passes for um, the first big band that really uh, latched on was the Flaming Lips. Uh, they they gave me access to a bunch of shows whenever they're in town. I got to shoot the whole show for them, and and usually it's three songs. Yeah. So it was crazy. They literally um, this happened a couple times. There'd be a bunch of photographers. And they would all leave, and I like had the special access. I just got to stay. Um, so I, I was shooting them. Uh, then I shot uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Awesome. Uh, I shot Tame Impala, um, Incubus, Pixies, Coachella. I shot Coachella for two years. Nice. Um, so I got this really kind of one of a kind photography collection, mm-hmm. and it's all ten years old now. So. You know, age is the best thing for a photograph. Sure. Um, and it, because at the time I knew I was capturing something special for me. Yeah. Because this is what I was experiencing. And I wanted to capture the feeling visually that I was getting being in the front row by shooting it in 3D. Because it's it's the exact same thing. Right on. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's the moment, right? So I have this collection that I actually just... I teased a, um, I, I released a, a, like four or five of them at a gallery show, um, in London at Gazelli art house. Right. And, um, it went over very well. We had a, we had a show where it was all the different styles of the same picture. So you could look at it with 3d glasses on, you could look at it. Uh, there was a lenticular there and there was also an, an animated gif which is the easiest way to see it. It kind of wiggles back and forth. But then the reason I waited so long to make it an NFT was I was waiting for VR to catch up. Right on. Stereography. And that was always the, 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 um, the idea or the thesis at the beginning was, and literally in, in like 2008, I, my mantra was someday VR is going to be able to show these photos in full color 3D, right? When I got into NFTs, I um, put on my kid's VR headset and I walked into like a virtual gallery that had a bunch of your stuff in it. And that was like one of the moments where I was like, oh my God, this is insane, man. Like seeing your art in VR. And where was uh, in the gallery? But I was like, I think it's one of the museum district galleries in the ohm oh wow that's awesome cool yeah. cool but looking at it through the vr headset and like walking in and seeing like a coldy sculpture i guess like a three oh wow sculpture in vr I, it's like i haven't even seen that it's i gotta see that <laughs> i don't even know i don't even know well, that it's really that's easy man i mean you know like nowadays you could just go to you know you can go to best buy and buy a oculus and put it on and you know log into um go into one of those uh virtual galleries like on yeah. fiber you know yeah exactly okay okay yeah, yeah. oh man we're gonna have yeah. to trade some notes maybe we'll need to go uh museum hopping oh absolutely <laughs> dude <laughs> anytime <laughs> yeah i was gonna just say man coley it sounds to me like you just have a knack for showing up at the right place at the right time <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i do yeah um i'm not i'm not sure what it is i think i just try to have really good energy and you know, it's, it's the classic thing back to basketball. My coach, his he was a deep thinker. He's like, you know, opportunity is where preparation uh, collides with 
you know, whatever. I'm, I'm going to butcher it. Prep- Preparation. Uh, <laughs> right. Whatever. I, I don't even know. But, but it's like basically I put in the time and you I work really hard. Yeah. And then the the situation comes up where I'm uniquely qualified to just hop in and do it. Yeah. That is a, where a lot of my life has dovetailed. Yeah. Yeah, that's really awesome. What was the first thing you minted? Um, the first thing I minted uh, was going to be um, on Rare Art Labs. Uh, probably um, this piece called The Day We've All Been Waiting For. It's a stereoscopic anaglyph um, where you where you put glasses on. Yeah. And there's, it was early. Like I had like the hodl uh, and then there was like an astronaut. So it was like playing into these early memes. Yeah. That were just starting to be used. And the crazy story of that was um, Rare Art Labs had um, like a some type of collaboration with Coinbase headquarters. And out of all the Rare Art pieces they picked two that they were going to get um the token and like add it to their vault or whatever they do uh-huh. and they picked one they picked that piece to be in their vault which was crazy and and it's it was on display i'm not sure if it still is but it was on display in their lobby and i would have people come up to me i did um ethereum or eth uh, san francisco in 2018 yeah um, and it's funny, this is actually happening, I think, right now, 2022. Like, oh, right <laughs> the time on. is flying really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were people who worked at Coinbase who came up to me there and said, oh, my gosh, like, I walk by that thing every day. It's, <laughs> it's at the office. I'm like, wow, like, what is that? Like, weird, weird stuff. So, I mean, it was just crazy, uh, even back then, that my art was being seen by people at all. You know, I was always hustling art shows at these hackathons or little events in San Francisco, I would just do whatever I had to do. Like I would lug my stuff around, like tear, tear up and tear down just for two hours of show. Like I would do anything, right. I was just hustling. And it was cool that through that, there were these opportunities where things were being seen and acquired and shown. And I think that it, it creates a, you know, some type of a ripple effect. And what really got things going was the portrait series, yeah. the decentralized. Do you do you see a distinction in the the terminologies crypto artist or NFT artist? Yeah, I hate that word. I'm NFT. just curious. I mean, a lot yeah, of people that have been in this uh, a long time a- have opinions, and I'm curious as to what yours is. Yeah, I mean, early on there wasn't NFT. Right. That was like a a nerdy term that got picked up. Yeah. And I appreciated, I I would, I call myself a crypto artist. Yes. um, But I think it's based on a couple things, right? (laughs) There's sub genres of a crypto artist, right? So personally, I'm a crypto artist because I make artwork that is related to the theme of cryptocurrency Mm -hmm. or blockchain, right? So that's one distinction, right? There's another distinction of a crypto artist is somebody who who uses the technology in the art, mm-hmm. right? That's also a crypto artist, sure. right? Um, and then the, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call somebody who mints their art 
on the blockchain of crypto artists. I guess it, I guess it counts. To me, it's more of a technicality of a like a distribution model sure. rather than like what the art itself is. So I mean, it's it's kind of a catch all. I don't think NFT artist means anything. That's like me saying um, I'm an oil brush and paper artist. <laughs> Maybe there's a distinction between crypto artist and digital artist. You know, people that meant their digital yeah. art on sure. NFTs, you know, to sell. Yeah. There's a distinction between that and somebody who's creating crypto art like you like you described, you know, like I think of a crypto artist like that Luco Paletti or something. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that, that's really a crypto artist. Yeah. Or Josie Bellini. You, you know, yeah. you your your art has a lot of references to pop culture and some like pop culture icons. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, you know, my so kind of the series started with doing portraits of um people in the space who are moving it forward, you know, um, good guys and a couple bad guys. Right. Cause I think you always have to have the prag, 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 uh, pragmatist. Is John McAfee was. a good guy or a bad guy? Uh, <laughs> a lot of people, well, I mean, that's, I there you know. go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was the first one. I was like, John's gotta be in. Cause For sure. <laughs> you got a lot of people talking about crypto. Yeah, he did. Right. Uh, very controversial, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think that, he was an enigma that I'm so happy I chose to do him. Uh, same with Warren Buffett, right? Like, and I used Warren Buffett the way he uses us, right? I, I wanted to use his, um, the notoriety of this person so that if it was being seen by somebody, they could be, Oh, is that Warren Buffett? And then they look into the art, right? So it's kind of like using him as a little gateway to move us forward. Cause he, he talks crap about us all the time. So, I'm going to use his quotes. Like just, it's funny. Cause I use the quotes of the people. So I'm not like misrepresenting them. No. This is exactly what they said. Right. So <laughs> yeah, like, right. I'm, I'm not doing anything against you. I'm, I'm helping your agenda, but it just doesn't make any sense. Um, so I would use these people. Right. And, and through that, um, I was, uh, approached by Snoop Dogg and that was like a kind of a defining shift where it was somebody, I mean, even though Snoop is heavily into the NFT game, like his, his whole business model. So he fits, right? Right. But the outside world knows him as the rapper and the personality. Mm -hmm. And geez, when I got to, you know, work with Snoop Dogg, I mean, talking about uh, like a bucket list that didn't exist, um, that was a whole new like thing. I was like, uh, yeah, absolutely. And we actually collaborated. You know, like, um, can you talk about he, that? Like how, what, what happened? What did you, what did you do? Tell me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing with any collaboration is I'm very frank and honest. Um, this has to be a two person deal, right? Yeah, like right. you have to do something and I have to do something okay. like nobody sits there and collects money, right? right. We're, let's get down and do it right. Sure. And he appreciated that. Right. He's like, okay, I got you. Um, so, um, I, it was crazy. I actually uh, wrote the lyrics for the for the song, nice. and that it was wild because like I know blockchain words, I know kind of the buzz terms, right? Um, but uh, you know, I'd written lyrics for myself, just like you know, poems and things, and um, I came up with that, and they loved it. Like they didn't change any of the words, so. You know, to me, it was it was special because 
we, we were vibing on a way that I would bring something to him. And he brought it into the studio and recorded it. Like it wasn't just like he went at, like above and beyond what he could have done. I mean, right? Snoop, Snoop's a real artist, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he laid down that track in a, in the vibiest way. I wasn't actually like envisioning in my brain when I wrote it, but it worked and it was like art. It was like art rapping. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. just this yeah. kind of smooth thing. And, you know, I would also along the way show them kind of the progression of the animation and just keep them in the loop. And they were loving it. Like they're, they're very hands off too, like in a good way. Yeah. There wasn't like a, like a, you got to change that picture out or I don't like this. They're not micromanaging you. Yeah. They're not, it was great. So we had a very copacetic, you know, collaboration. Um, and it was super fun, and yeah, we're 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 still in talks. We you know hit yeah. hit each other up once in a while, and was um, that a game changer for you as an artist? Yeah, you know, I mean, I I guess so. I mean, I try. I mean, yes, right. But I would say, like, I do everything I can to just keep creating and not look at myself in the third person. You know, it's like. Yeah, it's good. But like when I'm done with a project, I'm working on a new project. I mean, right? what do you think and, when you look at your stuff for sale and you look at like your floors? I mean, it's like you're, you're a really successful guy, man, in the crypto art scene. How do, thank you. How do, thank I mean, you. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, how do you like, how do you view that? And like, I mean, what's that like for you? It's, <laughs> it's a hard question, man. You know, I don't know. But. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of. I mean, it's great because it's allowed me to focus on making art, right? That's the, yeah. the number one thing. Like, right. I have a place I can go to where I make art and that's like my job. And that's like, a, that's always been the dream. You know, before NFTs, I did, I, I remember on my, on my Facebook page or maybe even on my space page, my quote was always, I'm not sure what it's going to be, but it's going to be huge. And I didn't know, but I had that inner understanding that something along the way, like we're talking about, of being a hard worker and being in the right place and doing the right things was going to get me. I didn't know where, but it was going to be what I needed, right? So it's, it's, I don't know, this might not be the end of where I'm going, but right now, as, as a artist, I can do this and I'm so blessed and I don't take that for granted any day. Whenever I walk into my art space, I feel joy, right? And that is the point of all of this. I was going to ask you, man, what uh, what's a, like a day of work look like for you? Do you have a you have a studio? I guess that you go to and work from there. I have um, I have a studio, and you know, every day it's kind of up in the air, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, I'm my own boss. So part of it is, you know, logistics and yeah. Zoom calls and meetings. Um, Cause I, I have a variety of different projects that are in different phases. Right. So, you know, there's usually, uh, I try to carve out a couple hours a day to just quote unquote, make art, right. you know, cause I could be on discord or open C and I could be degening all day. Um, <laughs> But I definitely um, make sure I make art every day. Uh, it just feeds my soul. I mean, it's therapy. I mean, quite frankly, it's just like it gets me 
to some other place in my mind, which is just kind of blissful. And, um, you know, with that, um, you know, I try to produce different things and, uh, make art that just keeps inspiring me so that each day, you know, it's, it's, it's fresh each day. I've talked to a lot of artists and they're either one or the other. They either don't collect anything from other artists or they're total DJs and they just collect, you know, I've looked through some of your collection and I was pretty impressed. You have a really impressive NFT collection. Thank you. Thank you. Who Who inspires you, man? Who are you collecting? So early on when I was doing NFTs, I would take like 20 or 30% and buy my friend's art, you know, uh, kind of like it would, you know, a dollar feeds a village type of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was awesome because I just, I love the art. Right. And now it's also like a scrapbook of the old days. I remember the time and the place and the reasons why I got these things. And, and some of those pieces have just, I mean, I knew they were good, you know, but now they've just become like iconic and that's because my friends have kicked so much butt. You've got some, you know, yeah, you've got some pretty, that's the beautiful thing. You know, I unfortunately don't have any coldies, man. The only thing I have is I have uh, the cover of the NFT magazine that you did with Warren Buffett. Mm. I do have that, man. And, uh, which is awesome. And, and if I can, uh, instill some FOMO and I <laughs> by no means am, uh, sure. selling you on anything, but I actually have a blueprint, um, an async blueprint uh-huh. that I'm going to be putting out, um, in less than a week now. Um, so I've been working hard. You're talking about like what I'm doing at the studio. I've been intensively, uh, working on this project called, um, markets, um, market psychology. Mm -hmm. And it's based on the, um, psychology of, of the market cycle. So each stage there's like uh, disbelief, hope, you know, thrill, euphoria, complacency, all these different steps that we have all gone together through. I saw you post that on Twitter. Like you were asking where you thought Twitter thought the market was right now. I actually saw that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a project. Yeah. So I'm teasing that. That was an early tease. Uh Um, So I'm just kind of like, and, and I'm doing some, some screenshot stills, just kind of like getting some thoughts out there. Um, But yeah, it's going to be a drop on async. Okay. Um, and um, I'm super stoked on it. And, How do you get um, into that? How do you get into a drop on async? Is it easy? Um, you know, I was, I'm kind of fortunate. I was onboarded. I was uh, one of the first artists that did a piece on there. So mm-hmm. um, I've been in the ecosystem with them through, through it all. Um, I think, um, I think it's open. I think anybody can do it. I don't think it's a curated. What about from a collector's perspective? How does a collector find you there? Uh, So it's just basically uh, there would be the blueprints uh, section of the async page. Okay. And, um, you know, it's just a classic like MetaMask connection. Click and purchase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm super stoked on that. And it also includes um old vintage x-rays and i was talking about my mom being an uh x-ray yeah, tech yeah so it kind of brings in some a personal touch of of that as well so there's a bunch of, all my art is very layered in meaning and stuff yeah. is there anybody that you're inspired by and right now like anybody that you're following that inspires you oh man um i'm inspired by there's two people 
right now. I mean, I'm I'm inspired by so many people, but I would say like the Gazers by Matt Kane, just it's a mic drop times a thousand. It's just the I think the best series maybe anywhere. <laughs> I don't know what's better. Um and uh Die with the Most Likes. Um, do you know his art? I don't. No. Okay, so this I, know, guy, I know Matt Kane's art. I do. I'm okay, familiar with so a, a total drastic one eighty okay. from from Matt Kane. Uh, this guy, you um, you'd have to you have to look him up. I will. Um, he does like, God, how do I describe it? Like melting, kind of like illustrations, okay. but of like, um, like one of them is like di- I. I dying at mattress firm and he has like a person who's like kind of like a melted kind of like morphed body who's like dead in a mattress firm bed (laughs) it's like it's it's a play on like pop culture and society with this these like humorous like death overtones i don't it's really hard to explain right on but perfect It, it speaks to like society it's 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 really i don't know it's crudely beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> You've had some drops on Nifty Gateway too. Um, he has. You have. have. You. Oh have. Yeah, so yeah. 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 I've done a couple drops. I did um, uh, Julian Assange mm-hmm. and Warren Buffett. The cover that you have was a, a Nifty drop. Yeah. And um, I love those. And I've done a couple sporadic uh, releases with John Van Hammersfeld. Right on. Um, he is like the designer of of the you know 60s, 70s revolution. Like he designed for the Beatles and the Endless Summer poster, and um, so I've I've collaborate with him quite often, and and we've done a couple nifty releases as well. You planning on doing any more of that in the future? Um, I I can also tease that John has a a drop coming up nice. um, in December. Oh, right on. Um, and I plan on doing um, a one of one animation with him on that. Uh, for my own drops, I don't have anything scheduled because Nifty's a little bit of a scheduled um, drop type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't say I won't, but I don't have anything like on the books right now. Okay, I feel like a lot of this uh, this crypto art movement is is uh it's almost like performance art like a lot of things that are happening with the innovation like you're talking about the gazers you know and there's all these different artists you know innovating in this space are you innovating anything right now is there some anything that you're working on that's like pushing the boundaries you know i mean i I, i've done a piece uh called a decentralized mashup Mm -hmm. Um, which took my portraits and jumbled them all together into generative portraits. And something that we've done is a burning mechanism where if you burn five of them, I take one of the chosen ones and make it into a 3D sculpture. Oh. So I'm kind of using tech to like kind of play with my collections. Sure. Um, I'm not really into like the utility word. Um, I think about, I was going to ask you about that. Like, what are your thoughts on like the utility of NFT art or crypto art? You know, I think it, I think there's a time and a place and, and it's it dependent on the artist. Yeah. I think if that's something that helps the artist get their message out there and is, is part of their vision. Absolutely. I mean, that's why we have technology, but 
maybe my mindset is a little bit more rooted in like classical collecting Mm -hmm. where like the utility of my art is beauty or something or like enjoyment. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I I do love using technology, but I also don't get caught up in gamification too much Right on. because I think that that gets more into like flippers and just speculation rather than I bought this because I like what it looks like. You're one of the people that was um, kind of instrumental in artist royalties. Can you talk about that a little bit and your thoughts on that? Yeah. So there's a group of us, maybe 12 or 15 of us back in um, probably around 2020. I don't know. Time is an illusion. I don't really (laughs) remember any of the things. Uh, Matt Cain would know. Um, Fair enough. So we were all basically – we wrote this kind of a manifesto where we said, these are the things that us as artists currently and us as the proverbial future of artists need uh, certain standards. Right. And, and at the time, some of the platforms were playing with their secondary royalties where it was 10% and then it went down to 3%. And we weren't going to let that happen. Right. Not only for us, but for everyone else, like it was really not about us. We just wanted to make sure that the path wasn't going to get changed because we there's a reason that we all started. We knew that this was revolutionary. Sure, if that goes away. It's just more of the same, right? So, yeah, um, it was great because we had to have the platforms, the collectors, and the artists agree to this situation, right? Because mm-hmm. the more secondaries the artist is getting, the less the collector is getting, and you know, it's a ping pong game. But everyone understood that if we're actually going to have a revolution, we all have to be in it together. Sure. And I mean, I'm super proud that it, it it went the way it did. And I think we're still running. We're always going to run into that issue because there is always a way to cheat in this world. And I think sure. that's a karmic decision that everybody has the option to do. Correct. Right. Correct. And it's not on me. It's not on anybody except for the person doing it to make that decision. And I think that again, there's beauty in that because you could skate around the 10% commission and line your pocket a little thicker. Yeah. But you know, I think that matters. And I think that deep in their soul, they know that they were getting over on the artist and that's not a good look for the soul. I, I totally agree with that sentiment. You mentioned this manifesto. I've heard you mention it in other podcasts that I've listened to about you. Where can I find it? Where does that manifesto exist? Um, you know, to be, I know that it's on Matt Kane's website. Okay. Um, and that, um, I would, I would go there. Okay. That's uh, he's been, he's such a good documentarian of all this stuff. Um, and he actually, I think he just did a show. Um, I think it was in Europe where he had the manifesto and he had all of our faces on it. Um, so he is really one of the leaders. Um, and I, I hate to say anybody was a leader in anything, but Matt Cain is a leader. Um, and there were also huge like Bard Ionson and Sparrow. Um, and I won't keep going because there were so many people involved, but I remember that they were very vocal and instrumental in getting that whole thing like going. Yeah. That's uh, that's really awesome. 
I had this intuitive thought that, uh, you know, to, about this podcast to do this podcast, because I feel like this is a pivotal moment in history and that like people need to take, you know, the time to record it. How do you feel that you're like, you're kind of a figure in this history. Do you, do you kind of have that recognition about yourself and like, how do you, how do you, you know, what do you do with that? It's, um, I would say that, I mean, I take it very seriously. Yeah. Um, I mean, I came into it synchronistically and it, for the right reasons. And I aligned myself with um, people who thought similar to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the bedrock of my own revolution and how I want to like spread that out. And I think that, you know, whenever you're given some type of um, access to talk to people that you have to do the best you can with that time. Right. Because if, if anybody listens to this, I want them to learn about crypto art the way I see it because there's so many spins on this. So I think any chance I, I have to talk, mm-hmm. it's not about me. Like it's not, I mean, it's great to talk about what I've done and, yeah. and where I'm going, Sure, but the movement is so much bigger than me that I try to take a step back and, and educate about the totality of where we're going Cause I still, I still believe in it. Like it's just happening actually quicker than I thought it would. Yeah. I thought this was going to take, you know, five years or or like maybe 10 years, but like every one of these cycles as brutal as it is on the way down, Mm -hmm. it moves the needle forward so much quicker. Yeah. And now the museums are buying art. Now the museums are doing shows like, I saw that uh, Rafik Anadol is going to be in a museum entry, entry sway. Like that is it, you know, like that's why it's not about me. That's, that's why it's not about anybody, but it's about all of us because whenever somebody gets that opportunity, it levels everything up. Right. And it's to me, I was waiting for the museums because that is the, the, the stamp, right. Not that we need it, but it's the fact that, art as the quote unquote art mm-hmm. works, it's now lining into that storyline, right? I took five art history classes and what I learned was there's movements, right? Art is about movements, not about so much individual artists, which is obviously important, but it's the movement that the artist was a part of. And I think that we are, we already created it right? It's happening. And we're living through this living movement that we don't know what's going to happen. You know, like if you, if we would have thought about this time that we're in now eight months ago, we would be like, no way. Like we're, we're going to have, you know, digital canvases on Mars. Like we're going right. Well, maybe we still do, but we have to be realistic about the way these cycles work. Right. And I think that I just want everybody who's listening to this to know that the cycle is happening and it has to go down to go up. So let's be happy that we're in a cycle <laughs> you know? Sure. because the down means up, you know, it's a coiled spring. And I think that the more we can keep creating, I mean, I am in a prolific stage right now because I had a, an opera. I had a, I had two options. I could wait and release a bunch of stuff when the market got hot. Right. Right. And it was banging. I could wait, 
but that's not why I'm alive. I'm alive to make art and I, and to stay true to myself, I have to just keep releasing as it goes because if I wait, I can have 50 projects. <laughs> I have too much stuff. So I, I just have to keep going. And I think that is the onus to everybody, whether you're building stuff like you, you're doing a podcast. It, consistency It's the turtle in the hair story, right? If you can be the turtle and just keep walking, you're going to win the race. And, and I'll tell you what, Coldy, you know, a movement is bigger than any single individual, but through a movement, there are definitely some bright lights, man. And you're one of them, you know, like, well, thank you. I do appreciate your lights that. shining pretty bright in this, in the space. Where do you see it all going, man? What do you think? Where do you think we're headed? What do you think five years from now? Where are we? <laughs> you know, I mean, something big happened with uh, Instagram uh, doing NFTs. I saw that. And that is posted something yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It's gigantically huge. If you take a step back, everybody needs to take one or two steps back at all times. Right. We're too close. Right. So we're like, Oh no MetaMask. It's worthless. Absolutely not. It's like baseball cards. I I don't know if it's a perfect analogy, but like some people are happy just ripping open a pack of cards, Mm -hmm. looking at them, letting them get all dinged up and put them in a binder. And, and that's their collection. And they love that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, there's also, the opportunity, if you have that pristine card and you get it graded and it's certified, I think those are where we're headed, where you're going to have people with binders that are happy. And then you're also going to have people with graded cards that are happy and everyone's happy, right? So I think there's going to be like a divergence of decentralization possibly, but with that, people are collecting digitally and that's what we all created. Yes with that demand, right? So I'm stoked, like whatever. And, and, and that enables more people to create art. That is the other huge thing that cannot be denied is that we are making art and there's more people enabled because you don't have to go to a gallery or you don't have to stand on the corner. You don't have to like do all these traditional world ways to sell art anymore or share art. Maybe you're not even selling it, right? Who cares about the money? Like let's share the art. And I think that where we're going is going to be a place where it's a creator economy where at all levels, you know, um, my son, if he wanted to, could share his art as an NFT. Sure. No different than giving grandma a piece of paper to hang on the, refrigerator right it's the same thing it's just digital that's great yeah. right it, it can't get burned it can't get warped you know it's 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 gonna lead to more people making stuff and that's what the world needs i that's it yeah it's really cool man i made my wife a birthday card nft you know i'm not an artist at all, but i got this little animation made i committed it into an nft and gave it to Damn, you're birthday. showing me up i gotta step up my my, my gift game Damn. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Yeah. It was pretty cool, man. I just, it was like an idea I had, you know, when I was uh, pretty new in, into all of this, what do you, what do you say to somebody who's just coming into the space, either as an artist or as a collector? What, what advice would you give? What advice would you give? You know, I think the big thing right now is, is find a personal voice and find out what you want to say, because it's so easy to look around and say like, Oh man, Look how good Beeple's doing. I'm going to do what Beeple's doing and make that. Right. Well, if that's not you, don't do it. You know, like we don't, we don't need 
more people thinking like other people, like original thoughts are what matter to us. Yeah. Right. So make things that you enjoy doing and also don't get hung up on where and how and how much it's being sold for. Yeah. You know, there's, there's this stigma, like if I'm not on super rare, like something's wrong. Doesn't matter. Right. You know, like it, I understand the cases each way. I I understand all the counterpoints. I get it. I get it. But all that is, is procrastination and self-worth. Like get over it and make the best thing you can. Because when you do, that is when doors open. And I don't know what door that is, but like anything else is just procrastination. Yeah. Right on. You know, people. Yeah. Yeah. He lives in my town. Oh, no way. Yeah, Crazy. Yeah. That's how I, that's actually how I found out about NFTs, man. When that sale happened for the $69 million, like it kind of blew up in my local news. I was like, wait, what is this? I don't even know what it is, you know, but he's opening a big museum here. Oh, no way. In, my t- in Charleston? Yeah, in Charleston. I'll send you the link when, we, when we're done. I have a friend out there too. May have to come out. Yeah. Well, if you ever come to Charleston, man, you have to hit me up. I'll show you around. That'd be crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, I wanted to ask you before we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask you about your yourself, your art, or your vision of the future for NFTs and digital art, crypto art that, that you want to say to people listening? You know what? It was a, it was a great interview. I feel like, um, I mean, I, f- I feel complete with um, where I think we're headed. I think um, it's still so very early that people, like, I'm just speaking for the the general public that it is still early, even though I'm going on my fifth year personally, like it feels like the wild west. So it's not too late. You know, there's all these things like I missed the boat. It's like, no, there's always boats. It's like a port. Like (laughs) there's another boat, like another boat. (laughs) There's a boat. Right. So I think that people just need to be patient, do their own research and find a community that resonates Right. Like maybe you're not into flipping 3D bouncing balls for 20 percent scalping. You know, like maybe that's not your bag. Like maybe you want to get, you know, I think there's so many places and we need to build a a community to educate the world. Right. Like we need more collectors. That's a huge thing. There's so many good artists and there's amazing collectors, but it's it's a numbers game. Like there's not enough collectors to buy all the art. Right. So I think we have so much growth to do that I, that I would throw it out to everybody else is do your part. Right. It's like picking up a piece of trash, like find it better than you came or leave it better than you came. And through that, that's how we're going to get mass adoption. Right. Like spread the word, you know, and, and, and show the good reasons why NFTs are around and not the, the hit pieces that you see on, on news all the time. Like The outside world is terrified of decentralization and giving up power. That's their problem. Like we need to go out there and talk about why we're all giving our, our life's energy for this. Right. Like if I didn't believe in this stuff, I'd have a, you know, I'd work at Starbucks or I'd have a a job. Right. Right. I think that we need to just like pull up our pants in this bear market and and get out there and and just spread the word. That I guess that's my last thing is like right on. do something to help move the needle forward for everybody. 
Well, I think that's what me and you are doing here today. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Colty, thank you so much, man, for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me and uh, come on this podcast, man. It really meant a lot. It means a lot to me personally, man. Thank you. No, I, I appreciate your time. And now, now we're buddies. Like hit me up. Right um, I would love, I would love to chat more. Um, we all have magic, so let's just let's talk more and um, keep it going. I'd like to thank everybody for joining me for another episode of The Ledge this week with Coldy. That was really awesome. If you want to find out more about Coldy, you can follow him on Twitter at Coldy. I'll put a link to his socials in the show notes. You can follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore underscore Chris or at ChrisHarper.eth on Instagram. If you like the show, please share it with your friends. If you'll rate and review the show, that would be greatly appreciated. Trying to get the word out there that the ledge exists. Every week we'll be back with a new artist. Just look out for us on Tuesdays. And I'd like to see you guys all again next week. Thank you. Thank you.